You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, Legal Talk Network listeners. This is producer Lawrence Coletti reporting to you about the 2015 annual Florida Bar Convention, which took place at the Boca Raton Resort and Club in Boca Raton, Florida. What you're about to hear are two panel interviews covering the convention seminar titled Don't Crash on the Information Highway, What Every Law Firm Needs to Know About the Impact of Technology on Employment Law Issues. It was our privilege to welcome on the air Ms. Robin Hankins from the law offices of Robin S. Hankins and Mr. Gregory Hearing from Thompson Sizemore Gonzalez and Hearing. We now cut to Ms. Robin Hankins. Hi, um, I do labor and employment law and I work up in Jupiter. I have my own firm. Excellent. Greg? Uh, I'm a managing partner of about a 20-lawyer labor and employment management side firm up in Tampa. Okay, so you guys both sound very busy. Yes. Okay. Well, I have it uh, on our literature here that I've been studying about uh, this convention. Your event, this is a a mouthful, so here we go. Hopefully I don't mess it up. It's called, uh, your seminar is called Don't Crash on the Information Highway, What Every Law Firm Needs to Know About the Impact of Technology on Employment Law Issues. Did I get it right? You did. You absolutely did. Wow. I think you did better than we could have done. <laughs> well, I've been looking at it for a while. So now within within this seminar, there were several presentations and uh, several speakers responsible for uh, each one. But uh, Robin, you started, uh, I believe you were first, if I remember correctly. I was. Okay. And yours was titled, Don't Stall Out. Ethical and Professional Issues in Electronic Communications. Correct. Essentially, what we were talking about then is what do lawyers need to know in terms of running a practice, meeting with new clients, both on the plaintiff and the defense side. What can you ask from your clients? What should you do? Um, We went through a variety of hypotheticals. What what do you do in response to a, a plaintiff who has advised you that they have Facebook or that doesn't advise you that they have Facebook and in looking at their Facebook page, what can you tell them to remove or not remove? Um, a lot of electronic stored communication act issues, those sorts of things. Okay. And uh, yeah, I noticed it was a uh, heavy on the social media part and uh, there was a uh, early, I think it was early in your presentation, you were making the distinction before and after there's a, uh, a, a trial litigation, litigation sure. before. Okay. And so explain to uh, our audience uh, what the differences are. How do you treat that differently before and after litigation begins? Well, there, there may not be a huge distinction. Um, that was in the context of a proposed opinion that the Florida Bar's Ethics Committee has recently published. And essentially what that opinion was limited to was identification of pre-litigation issues. So a client comes to you and is looking for advice. And then there were also things that I talked about that is actually in that opinion that distinguishes is the litigation aspect of it. And when you boil it down, you're probably looking at the same analysis because frankly, if a client comes to you in the employment law context, you're either pre-suit or pre-filing. Um, usually people don't come just to talk. They come because they want legal advice on what they can and can't do or because they've already had a claim being made either in litigation or um, a potential or a particular employee has made claims or has made complaints raised issues. So in evaluating what employees can and can't do and the, you know, really it's all about the evidence and looking at the evidence, both pre-litigation and post-litigation. So at least in, in my mind, it's all the same because we all know that we're going to be going to litigation at some point. Well, it's amazing. You know, uh, in recent years, there's been a lot more attention nationwide spent on social media with uh, e-discovery. And uh, I guess it, because it's a new technology, I think it's beginning to catch some attorneys off guard as to when do you preserve that? Do you need to preserve that? So uh, what kind of 
ethical uh, violations can attorneys be into for falsely advising their client to erase a social media post or to uh, scrub an account from the network? What, what, what can they be looking at? Well, that's a great question. And, and there was a, a case that I cited that a judge found that an attorney was liable for over half a million dollars in sanctions for destroying documents, um, for advising their client to just clean up the Facebook page. And what the client did was went in and removed posts, shut down his Facebook page, and unfortunately, some of that information became unrecoverable. And it's a concept called spoliation in the law. And what all that means is, I used to have evidence and I destroyed it. And when you destroy the evidence, there's a lot of things that can happen, not just having your case dismissed if you're a plaintiff, um, having sanctions being awarded against you, having what's called an adverse inference instruction, where the judge tells the jury once litigation is to the, the trial phase, that they should infer from the fact that you destroyed evidence that there was something really bad in there. And sometimes that's even more damaging than what was actually destroyed. Okay, so, I mean, not just damaging for the attorney, but also very devastating for their client. Correct. And in, in the terms of an adverse inference instruction, it's definitely mostly relating to the client. And then the sanctions aspect, you know, you have ethical issues where there can be bar complaints that are filed because you didn't give somebody appropriate advice, you didn't do the things that you should have done in discovery, you know, informal discovery, Googling people, um, looking through social media for things that various opposing parties, witnesses, whomever are posting. So one of the things that we were hoping to accomplish with this seminar was letting people understand that this is a wealth of information. Um, there are, just like if you have letters, this type of stuff is available. Um, you know, email is a great source of information, but just going on somebody's website or their social media page, Twitter, um, Facebook, Space, MySpace, um, all of those sorts of things, you can really learn a lot about somebody. What single best piece of advice would you give uh, a new attorney or uh, maybe a seasoned attorney that hasn't heard of a lot of, or hasn't implemented social media in their own life in regards to this? What single best piece of advice can you give? Well, be careful what you post. Um, looking at, there was a 2013 advisory committee opinion where uh, the rules really were revamped. And in revamping the rules, a lot of what what occurred was the the bar looking at what are you doing on Facebook and is it advertising and at what point do you cross the line into advertising and being cognizant of those rules and the changes in those rules and and when something is a you know something that needs to be looked at by the Florida bar or needs to go by the website advertising pages it's very important that you're familiar with that and one of the examples that I gave during the seminar was you know I have a lot of friends who are lawyers and quite often they post you know $8 million verdict in plaintiff case for sexual harassment or things like that. And when you're posting those sorts of things, that crosses the line into advertisement. And you've got to be very careful. That's great advice. Well, Greg, we turn the microphone to you. Uh, you spoke at an event or you presented an event called Speed Bump Ahead, the NLRA and Electronic Communications. Can you give us the 50,000 foot about what it was about? Sure. Uh, NLRA is the National Labor Relations Act. And uh, most lawyers think that the because they don't have a union that they don't have to worry about this act and if you uh, are engaged in uh, commerce and you have uh, policies in your uh, law firm that deal with issues like confidentiality which you would expect lawyers to have uh, policies on uh, harassment and uh, not allowing that in the workplace and policies on investigations and keeping them uh, quiet and, and privileged, then uh, people think, well, I can do that, and there's no problem. 
Well, the problem is, is that the National Labor Relations Board would tell you that if they're too broad, you've committed what's called an unfair labor practice. And the, the trick to it is, is that most lawyers think, none of this applies to me. And it applies to almost every lawyer. Okay. Uh, give us some examples. Sure. If you tell your secretary and your paralegal, if you're a small outfit, just two lawyers, and you got a paralegal and secretary and receptionist, you tell your staff, you can't talk about when you meet with them one-on-one and give them their raise, you can't tell Susie what your raise is. Because I'm going to have a problem with Susie if she knows what you got in your raise. And so... That's a violation of the National Labor Relations Act to tell an employee that they can't talk with a co-employee about their terms and conditions of employment, i.e. their pay. That's just one of the terms. That's the one that I've seen, Lawrence, a lot where law firms call me and say, what do you mean I can't tell my employees they can't talk about what their pay is? So, Greg, with some of these violations, what kind of penalties can attorneys look to uh, look to receive for them? Great question. If uh, you end up firing Susie because she talked to Sandy about what her pay was, the Susie can get her job back and she can get her back pay, less any mitigation from another job. And then you also have the expenses of hiring your own attorney to go through this process, which is not inexpensive. And the board is, in very egregious cases, is willing to award attorney's fees uh, against you. But that's the first question I often get is if I get sued, am I going to get hit for attorney's fees by the other side? The answer is typically no. Okay. And since we are here at the, uh, at the convention and since we have attorneys listening in Florida, what, uh, what best piece of advice can you give attorneys so they stay clear of these violations? Pull your policies, look at them, and if they're vague at all, you need to revise them. And simply, you can fix them easily by saying, that nothing in these policies prohibits your right to engage in protected concerted activity or your rights under the National Labor Relations Act. And then it would be hard for the, the employees to say or take the position that my speech about those things was chilled by this policy. It's a very simple fix. Take about 10 minutes. Okay. I have one more question for both of you. Uh, so, since there was many presentations in there, uh, besides your own, what was your favorite presentation and what was the biggest takeaway? Uh, we'll start with you, Robin. Well, I had, unfortunately, only the ability to listen to Greg, so I have to say he was one of my favorites. And I had heard several times we've had these types of seminars in the past, and we both spoke very detailed back at the advanced labor topics about the NLRA. And I think that's one of the issues that people don't really focus on in what we do. You know, I've been a practicing lawyer for over 20 years, and I, for the first time last week, filed an NLRB charge. And I've done plaintiff's employment litigation since 1994 and also have represented management since 1997. And to date, I've only had one NLRB charge that I've defended and one NLRB charge now, as of last week, that I filed. So I think people don't really understand how hot of a topic this is and how you're going to start seeing more and more and more of it. Um, I liken it to the way sexual harassment was back in 1994 once we got some of the early decisions where there was a recognition that under Title VII there was a concept called sexual harassment and it's different than other types of legal claims of discrimination. So I think we're going to see an uptick in NLRA charges and anybody who advises employers, what I've done with my clients is made sure they review their policies and they understand that, you know, the saving clause that Greg identified is very important. But even looking at those policies and making sure, because there are some you know, some questions and the, the opinions that Greg referenced, there was one comment by the NLRB attorney saying, even the savings clause isn't enough. So you may want to go through every single policy and make sure you're not chilling speech. Okay. Greg? 
Well, I was impressed uh, by two of the speakers' presentations, Robbins, about uh, what I, I have to worry about as a managing partner with my young lawyers and what they're doing on social media. I don't really pay attention to what they're doing on social media. In fact, I think it's kind of ridiculous, uh, but that's my age group. I'm 51 years old, and I think, boy, don't they have anything better to do? But they can do a lot of damage to the firm, and I have to supervise them as a managing partner and as a partner, other partners have to supervise the young attorneys. And so hearing some of the things that attorneys can and might do is concerning to me that I can be held accountable for that and I need to take it more seriously because it's here to stay and it's only going to get worse. And then uh, Frank Brown uh, was speaking on cybersecurity. And again, as a managing partner, I'm always concerned about making sure we don't have any breaches of, of our confidentiality. Uh, obligations and and he gave a couple of examples that are very concerning and uh, how even recently he just mentioned about how the IRS was hacked into which if they can hack into the IRS they can just blow on our front door and get right in so it, it gets very concerning well, it looks like we've reached the end of our time for our program today, but I want to thank Mr. Greg Hearing and Ms. Robin Hankins for joining us today. And uh, if our listeners wanted to reach out, ask some additional questions about your seminar and, and presentations, how can they reach you? Um, my office number is 561-721-3890. And my email address is robin, R-O-B-Y-N, at hankins-law.com. Aren't you going to give me your Twitter handle or something like that? I have too? no Maybe Twitter handle. Okay. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my firm is Thompson, Sizemore, Gonzalez, and Hearing. We're in Tampa. Uh, my email is g-h-e-a-r-i-n-g at tsghlaw.com or www.tsghlaw.com. We hope you enjoyed this part one of two panel interviews. Up next, we continue our coverage of the seminar with Judge Alan Forrest of the 4th District Court of Appeal who is also the former chair of the Labor and Employment Law Section. We now cut to Judge Forrest, who is telling us where he currently sits. I'm currently sitting across from Lawrence, but (laughs) other than that, I am a judge on the Florida's 4th District Court of Appeals. There are five district courts of appeals in the state of Florida. We're the intermediate appellate court. We get appeals from the trial courts around the state within our districts, and then those appeals can go to the, U- or to the Florida Supreme Court. The 4th District Court of Appeals covers territory from Fort Lauderdale, which is Broward County, up to Indian River County. So we have Palm Beach, which is where we are right now, as well as Broward. So it's a nice area, and um, I've been in that job for a couple of years after being the statewide chairman of the Unemployment Appeals Commission. Now, I reached out to you because you were moderating an event called Don't Crash on the Information Highway, what every law firm needs to know about the impact of technology on employment law issues. But when we were doing our, our uh, pre-interview discussion, I found out you were involved in some other events as well. Can you share that with our audience? Well, I was on the annual convention committee, or I am on the annual convention committee. And the best part of that job, of course, is the taste testing to prepare for the annual convention. But in addition to that, I realized... Uh, that there was a need for, for good CLE, and um, so I was involved with both the Labor and Employment Law Sections panel as well as the Appellate Practice Sections panel yesterday afternoon, and uh, both went really great, and um, I think a lot of good information. The Labor and Employment Law Section, of which I'm a former chair, 
pretty much everybody here in one measure or another is either an employer or employee. Even the sole practitioners generally have one employee. Well, it sounds like you're very busy here at the convention. So, uh, well, let's get to it because I know your time is uh, scarce. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your moderation of this uh, of the seminar. Well, it wasn't much in terms of moderating. It was, hello, these are our five panelists, and let's have a hand for them, and, and uh, I'll go get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Diet Coke, thank you very much. Well, I, I hope this won't be the shortest interview with, uh, <laughs> with the judge in history, but uh, did you get a, a chance to sit in on the event and yeah, watch I it? Yeah, I did get to watch some of the panelists. and uh, Great panel for uh, some of the, if not certainly some of the top-tier uh, labor and employment law practitioners in the state of Florida, if not nationally. Uh, all five of them are what we call board certified, so they've gone through the a number of uh, They've taken a test, they've um, enough CLE credits, enough years of experience. Um, three of them are, are current and former uh, chair of our section, two of them from the plaintiff side, two a management side, and then one, my successor at the uh, Unemployment Appeals Commission, now called the Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission, to get into minutia. But um, they were, and they, like I said, labor and employment, we're all an employer and employer pretty much in one form or another, even if we only have one employee. So you, you have to know about these things like Facebook and all, all the social media. And, and then, as Robin Hankins was saying, uh, we had a speaker talking about security breaches, which uh, you know every employer fears being hacked into. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. Which of the presentations was your favorite? And, get, and tell me why. Uh, so five-way tie. Five-way tie, okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you had from it? Again, it's, um, I think Ray Caring, who spoke a little earlier to you, said it's, it's tough for somebody of our generation, Greg and my generation, to really get our hands around the, the big change with social media. Although his kids are younger than mine, my kids are uh, just getting out of college, and we could see that how social media really pervaded the workplace and certainly their lives. And it's something employers have to catch on to and have to handle with the right amount of tact because you can't just willy-nilly. If you learn nothing at all from this discussion today, just because somebody's on posting something on Facebook that may not really shine a nice light on the employer, you can't just turn around and say, you're fired. The employers have gotten in, into big trouble for doing that. We, yes, we have employment at will, but you, there are collect, collective actions. and, and Two employees saying our boss stinks could be a collective uh, employee action, and you, you could be deemed retaliating for firing them. So employers need need to get on top of this thing, and, and it is, and, and then you bring in the hacking of computers. Uh, it's just like, you know, they, they used to say, women can't live with them, can't live without them. Uh, although <laughs> I never said that, thank you very much. Um, and I'm sure women say the same thing about men, but computers can't live with them, can't live without them, and, th and that's the world we're living in. Well, you know, I asked a very similar question to Miss Robin Hankins uh, right before our interview, and, uh, you know, she gave me an answer, and it was mostly from the perspective of an attorney and a client, but, you know, you being a judge, uh, you know, what, what's your perspective on that? I mean, what do, I guess, members of the, uh, members of the bench need to be uh, looking out for when it comes to these issues? Well, uh, the law is in the process of being written, um, both at state and, and federal levels. The national 
Labor Relations Act has, has taken the lead to some extent on this, but uh, we've, we've had cases in front of us, uh, employment cases, defamation cases, as one would expect. So, it, as I say, the, the law is being written as we sit. I, I am not going to say anything defamatory to, to test that law right now. Um, and it's, it's interesting, and particularly as, as a father that watches my kids immersed with it, and, and, and then as a son who sees my 80-year-old mother, you know, like, oh, I saw what happened on Facebook the other day. So it's, it's a reality of, of social media, and it's, as, as a relatively new area, uh, Facebook is, only, is less than 10 years old. It's something that, as I said, the law is being developed in, in that respect. Well, you've been on the bench uh, before uh, a lot of the social media uh, impact occurred, and so you've seen it develop as you've been sitting on the bench, and and uh, you know you've you've got family members that that are involved in it, and, and you see it. You know, uh, I don't know how often you see it in your courtroom, but you do see it and the impact it has on lives of clients and the lives of attorneys. Uh, so, um, just just from where you sit, your perch. Where do you think we're going with this in law? I mean, are we going to react to it with uh, legislation, new laws? I mean, it, it, and if so, where, where do you think those laws are going to be applied? Well, we've seen it recently in terms of uh, laws uh, creating crimes for texting while driving, for example. That's a good uh, one. That's a very good one. And so the the whole that whole driving, and you know, they 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 had a crash of a train. Uh, I think in Washington, the first thing they look at, was he on the phone? Was he texting? Um, so you're, the whole safety concerns, defamation, huge with social media. It's, you know, think of, used to be maybe somebody would write something on the bathroom wall. Now, you don't, just imagine, you know, it's okay, so that was bad. Just now imagine you put something on the web, it's, it goes national. Yeah, and it's there forever. And people, uh, kids have, killed themselves and I believe there there was a case there have been there have been suits against the kid that put something on social media so as I said it's being sorted through it's still it seems like it's been with us for so long but it's still less than 10 years and and I, I think back maybe 20 years ago when people were talking about cell phones and and just really unlimited phone calling I, I can't believe that maybe about 20 years ago, maybe 25. So we're, we're living in a very fast evolving age and, and the law is uh, keeping up with it, I think, but it, it is being written. Yeah, I find uh, it, when it comes to things like this, when you have innovative new technologies that do transform, I think I saw a quote, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the seminars was a quote that it changes the way we communicate with each other. So that's the biggest impact of social media, communicating in different ways, and you say all kinds of different things in different ways. And it's funny how law it's, reacts to it. It's so, uh, but, uh, but, well, thank you so much for stopping by uh, and talking with us. I know you have to get on to some other events today, but, uh, but if our listeners wanted to reach out to you, ask questions, and and I uh, wanted to get some information. How can they reach you? <laughs> can they reach you? They could come to the Florida Bar Annual Convention. Okay. And, uh, which, and, and I believe this is going to be go live uh, several weeks after the Florida Bar Annual Convention. So you missed your chance. But, you heard that uh, first from the judge. Don't get in trouble, and then you won't have to <laughs> see me. Okay. All right. Well, Judge Forrest, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this series of panel interviews as much as we had recording them. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.